Well, it's finally here. Kiss, Return of the Phantom. Just a couple things before we begin. This is written as a what if. What if Kiss made a TV movie sequel in 1979 to Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park? Since my time machine's broken, obviously this can't ever happen. But hey, it could be an animated film. I know the original members of Kiss, Anthony Zerbe, they could do the voices. Uh, just like Adam West and Burt Ward did some Batman animated movies a few years back. This is not a script. This is a detailed plot description, but I did write a few lines here and there. So if you like this and you're a script writer, have at it. There's a few things that happened that wouldn't have been known yet in history in 1979. So I did take a few liberties. So please let me know what you think of my idea in the comments. Sit back and let Metal Mike tell you a story. We start off with Devereaux. He's in prison. He's still in his comatose state. The guards are listening to the radio, and I Was Made for Loving You comes on. When it's over, the DJ talks and says that Kiss is doing a special concert at Studio 54, and they're giving away tickets and passes to meet them. While Kiss is being talked about, Devereaux starts to twitch, and his eyes open. Next, we meet Samantha and Kim, two young roommates that live in a rough neighborhood. They've recently resurrected their youth neighborhood center. I used a picture of some 70s actresses. They want to get kids off the streets and give them a positive place to go. To make things worse, Samantha's brother Robbie has gotten mixed up with a local gang. Attendance at the center is pretty low. They need some famous help to get kids to think that it's a cool place to go. They also hear the radio ad about the Kiss meet and greet. Now, if they could meet Kiss, maybe they could persuade Kiss to do a concert in their neighborhood and promote their cause. Back at the prison, enter Hawk. Hawk is the king of the prison yard. For him, I picture the wrestler Earthquake. I don't think Earthquake could, could have, would have been old enough to do this movie in 1979, but that's what I'm picturing. Uh, he's a giant with long black hair, bald on top. People fear him. He has multiple connections to all kinds of things on the inside. Now, Abner's in general population. People refer to him as the Phantom because they've heard of him, but they've never seen him. Hawk is a brute, and he's no dummy. He knows what Abner's capable of, and the two of them form a partnership and a plan to escape. Now, if Abner can spring them both, Hawk promises to help him destroy Kiss. Abner explains what kind of primitive materials he's going to need to accomplish the breakout. Enter Kiss! We get a glimpse of the Kiss Mansion lair. Now, the mansion will be very normal looking you know on the lower level and then when you get it to the upstairs that's where it gets real interesting each member is going to don their dynasty suit and their quarters are going to be like their fantasy shots so paul will have the purple bedroom ace has a lab with his supercomputers gene has an active volcano and maybe some stone gargoyles uh like next to his throne and peter's room is a jungle ace is studying the talisman in his lab and while he's doing that 2000 man plays he notices that they're showing some irregularities. He realizes now he can summon his guitar to fly and attack. He checks in with the others and they all confirm that they've noticed some new 1979 powers. 
Gene can fly. Peter's able to summon real panthers that morph from his shoulder pads. And with a touch, Paul can activate the star on his belt to become a treacherous throwing star boomerang. Now, Samantha and Kim have run into some bad luck in their quest to clean up the neighborhood. Some thugs have broke out the neighborhood center's windows with bricks, and Samantha's brother has been arrested. He's a minor, and he's getting sent to a juvenile hall. Beaten down, they take one more roll of the dice. It's the night to be the seventh caller to win the tickets and the backstage passes for the KISS concerts. And they get them. Everything's coming together. Abner has built remotes that he can open the jail cells with upon command, and he's devised a way to glitch out the security cameras as well. Abner and Hawk have been watching and learning the various schedules of the cleaning and laundry crew. Tonight's the night. Abner opens Hawk's cell. Kiss think it's a good idea to take to TV to promote the Studio 54 concert. They do an exclusive interview with NBC. Pictured a uh, interview like, like Tom Snyder, but controlled. Not only do they talk about their plans for the show, they talk about how they formed Kiss. They talk about the tough neighborhoods they came from. Ace and Peter explain how they used to run with a rough crowd and how rock and roll saved their lives. On the show, Kiss performed Sure Know Something. Samantha's brother Robbie sees this interview from the juvenile hall and he begins to feel a spirit of hope. Samantha and Kim feel the same way. They now know for certain that the members of KISS will understand what they're trying to do and will help them. Hawk jumps the laundry crew. Abner dresses in the laundry uniform and they place the laundry staff that have been knocked out into their cells. Hawk dives in the laundry cart and they head to the truck and escape. Hawk asks, where are we off to? As Kiss drive home in the limo, each member has a flashback of how they found their talisman, which transformed them into who they are today. The song Hard Times plays. For this, I'm kind of picturing uh, Paul as a cab driver. Maybe you wouldn't see his uh, face or maybe the back of his head, but he finds the talisman in a case glowing in the back of the cab. Gene will show him as being a teacher, and he goes to a file cabinet, and he sees a uh, glowing case, and he opens it up. So just something along those lines. Ace and Peter, not really sure, but... Stopped at the stoplight, Paul can tell something's going down in the alley. Two people are getting robbed by a small gang of thugs. Kiss to the rescue! Gene flies out of the sunroof of the limo. The others exit as well. Kiss quickly defused the situation with some fire breathing, some lasers, and all that good stuff, and the thugs run off. Now back to Abner and Hawk. On their drive, Abner tells Hawk how things went down with Kiss, and here we'll show a little bit of Phantom One movie flashbacks. He explains how Kiss thwarted everything he threw at him, and this is where we're going to explain kind of what happens at the end of the movie. So with no more options, Abner went into a catatonic state. Now to do this is very dangerous and he aged very rapidly while he was in it. Inside of his mind he was still able to command his androids internally. He sent distress signals for them to retreat. Many did not make it to the retreat center deep below the lab. They were destroyed by the police. They finally reached their destination, Magic Mountain. Now Magic Mountain is desolate and abandoned. Abner comments that Kelvin couldn't keep it going without him. In reality, it was the negative publicity from the disappearances of park guests and malfunctioning equipment that brought the park to its demise. They break in easily and head to Devereaux's lab. Equipment has either been completely destroyed or removed. This is what Abner expected. There is a secret doorway that he's hoping the police did not find, and they take it to lab number two and realize it's completely intact. In the lab working on equipment is Dee. 
One third of the punks who get turned into revolutionary war heroes. The Wolfman and Whipman, you know the guy in the House of Horrors with the whip? And two of the Samurais. They have been manufacturing multiple mind control devices and laser weapons for Devereaux's next plot. While Hawk is distracted by all that he's witnessing, Abner inserts a mind control device in Hawk's neck. In Abner's madness, he believes it's better this way. Abner has a small rack of wardrobe and makeup in his new lab. D switches from revolutionary outfit to a disco dancer suit. And Abner dons a cloak and he begins painting Hawk's face. He monologues on how he will fight theatrics with theatrics. He's going after Kiss. Now it's the day of the show, and charisma plays to a mix of scenes. Kiss are practicing and dressing for the gig at the Kiss Lair. Samantha and Kim are getting ready with a more rocked-out image than they usually have. And Abner and crew converge on Studio 54 and easily overtake it. Management and workers have mind control devices placed on them. Abner and his minions begin booby trapping the lighting rigs and other things. Hawk now bears the Hawk makeup insignia on his face. Yes, Eric Carr's original makeup, but with no white face. He has gray wings and black studded suspenders and armbands. Picture kind of like Hawkman meets Demolition from WWE. Devereaux has his cloak and a device that straps around his waist that's like a mini control center. Abner's gone mobile. Abner gives D her orders. She is to locate the strongest looking men at the concert in the crowd and dance with them. As she gets close, she is to insert a mind control device in their necks. He then hands Hawk a tube of explosive gems. His mission is to find the talisman and place a gem on each of them. He explains that the gems have a magnetic quality that can breach the current force field and attach to the talisman. They also will be hard for Kiss to notice because they look like existing gems that are already on them. Abner plans to pit their crowd against them and their stage effects as well. If the talisman can be blown to bits, Studio 54 will become a giant death trap for Kiss. Studio 54 is now hopping. People are disco dancing as they wait for the show. Samantha and Kim enter with their passes and they're greeted by Bill Coin. He leads them to the backstage area. Devereaux and the crew, all but Dee, are hiding out in the basement. They're waiting for Kiss to hit the stage. Now Dee is disco dancing with the biggest and strongest men. Once she inserts the neck control unit into them, something lights up on Devereaux's control panel. Kiss meet and talk with Samantha and Kim. They joke around a bit. Ultimately, Kiss sympathizes with what they're trying to do and agree to help. The talisman are in plain sight in the backstage area. It's showtime! Kiss bust out their big hit, I Was Made For Loving You, on the White Dynasty stage. Pyro goes off as the song kicks in, and the crowd goes crazy. Samantha and Kim are all smiles in the front row. By the second verse, Devereaux and his minions come out of the shadows to wreak havoc on the concert. Abner starts by igniting Pyro off cue, narrowly missing the band members. Kiss's spider senses are tingling, especially Gene's. Then Abner cues the lighting truss above Ace to drop. Gene flies across the screen and catches it to save him. 
And of course, Ace has to do a wisecrack of some kind. Uh, he could say he almost went from being a 2,000 man to just being a dead man, or I almost got wiped out. Hey, I'm just an idea guy. I'm not a script writer. At this point, the music has stopped. Enter the dancers and cue up the song Dirty Living. Abner commands his disco fighters to attack Kiss in a stage brawl similar to the final battle of the original Phantom of the Park movie. Kiss are careful because they realize these are innocent fans. Ace has his flying guitar blow all kinds of fog in one dancer's face, distracting him, and Peter wraps him up in amp wires. Kiss peacefully restrain all the dancers. Now Abner commands Hawk to rush the stage. The members of Kiss are in awe of this man's size and his image. While they're focused on Hawk, the Wolfman and other androids blast Kiss with the laser cannons that stun them. While stunned and momentarily powerless, Hawk beats them down. When Kiss come to, they realize that Peter's drums have been removed from the riser and they are strapped to it with some kind of glowing electronic wires and the riser is high in the air. Devereaux approaches and reveals to Kiss that he is back to finish them off and thus far it's been easier than he thought it would be. While Abner speaks, Kiss tries some tricks to escape but cannot because of the tight restraints. Even Ace's teleportation trick will not work without moving his arms in the proper motion to activate. Devereaux tells Kiss he will destroy their talisman and relinquish them of their powers. He will turn them into servants along with the others at the show. He'll start with a takeover of New York City and then the whole world. He talks about the gangs in New York City, a major theme of our story. He says that people have the option to become creators, but they choose to be destroyers. He said that he will right the wrongs of the world his way. His next command to Hawk, find and destroy the talisman. And he walks off to the backstage area. Paul tells his bandmates that all these individual things they're doing aren't working and they need to combine their power and energy to blast off the restraints. Energy begins to emit from their hands and the colors from their solo albums and it passes to the person next to them. The energy gets stronger and stronger and eventually blasts outward, disintegrating the restraints. We are one. The androids, Whipman, Wolfman, and the Samurais are terrorizing fans in different areas of the crowd, trying to place mind control units on them to create Devereaux's evil army. Here comes kiss. Paul tells Peter to go after Hawk. Peter says, I'll need some backup and dons his panther shoulder pads. Gene grabs the wolfman and takes him on a flying ride, dragging him across the bar area. As the wetness from the drinks hit the electronics, he shorts out and shuts down. Ace fights the samurai and takes him out with lightning lasers that come from his fingers. Whitman and the other samurai have Samantha and Kim in their clutches. Paul activates his boomerang throwing star. With one throw, it takes out both androids permanently, and it winds up back in Paul's hands. He checks in with the girls to see if they're okay. They are, and he tells them to find a safe place to hide. On their way, they are confronted by Dee. They get in a small scuffle, but surprisingly subdue her. They appear to be shocked that they had it in them to actually do it. Hawk has now located the talisman. He's releasing the explosive gems given to him by Devereaux. They get sucked in toward the box, but they keep getting rejected by the force field that protects them. As he launches the final gem, the door crashes down. It's Peter. He shouts, Panthers! And two green panthers morph off of his shoulder pads and rush Hawk. They are linked to Peter by chains. Their great strength and weight keep Hawk restrained. It's now time to deal with Devereaux. Gene, Paul, and Ace approach him. Abner says, do what you will, Kiss. Someday I'll have my revenge. Gene's fire breath, Paul's optical laser, and Ace's finger blasts are all aimed at Abner's mobile control center, and it's blown to bits. Any people that were under Abner's mind control are now free. The police and medical are now on the scene to tend to the crowd. The police take Abner and Hawk away, and Kiss console fans and give all autographs. Now it's concert day outside the neighborhood youth center. The place is packed. Samantha and Kim are on cloud nine. 
The street is blocked off and a small stage is set up. Now Kiss are here in more scaled down outfits. Kind of picture their 1974 look. Leather pants, leather vests. Paul talks to the crowd. He tells them they've loaded up the center with all kinds of cool stuff. And you'll pan to the pin Kiss pinball machines and instruments that they put in there. Paul says running with gangs isn't cool. You can have fun with your friends and you don't have to wreck your neighborhood in the process. I'll tell you what is cool. Rock and roll. Let's rock and roll all night. The band plays and everybody has a great time. It's a happy ending. But is it really over? Abner's back in his cell. He happens to see a detonator in his cell that was somehow missed by the guards. He has no idea if it'll actually detonate anything, and he has nothing to lose. He presses it. Now that last explosive gem that Hawk threw did make it through the force field, and it clung to Peter's talisman. The Catman talisman explodes. Peter is asleep in his jungle room. His makeup begins to disappear from his face, and the jungle room transforms into a generic bedroom. Peter's eyes open up wide, and the credits roll to X-ray eyes. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed it. This truly was a journey of Kiss nerddom. And what could be next? Music from the Elder? We'll see. Rock on!